0: This is a Triple M footy podcast with all the latest news and stories that matter right now in footy. It's Tom Brown's news.
1: Grand final week continues apace with one of the greatest Brownlow counts in modern history culminating in Lock and Neal entering the pantheon of greats as a two-time winner. There's plenty of controversy and talking points are coming out of the night and our man Tom Brown is here to help us pick through all of it. My name's Rudy, I've got Tom here, and Tommy, you were there. How'd you say it?
0: Rudy had a great night with Tara at the Brownlow. I thought it was an interesting night. In the end, I did feel disappointed for Marcus Bond and Pallio. I think it would have been an award, a very deserved uh, Brownlow medal winner. also felt for Nick Dakos. He went awfully close, considering he missed those last three games, plus the game he got injured, so four in total in the end. Went awfully close. Um, a broad discussion today, Rudy, about you know the hits and misses of the Brownlow and where it sort of sits now in terms of the award itself. Lockie Neal was pretty honest this morning when he was speaking in Brisbane, was back in at the club getting ready for the grand final, said the whole situation is the beauty of the Brownlow. It's an anomaly. It's an unusual award. It produces anomalous results. We've seen it before. Robert Dippier Domenico, who was a great player, really, not necessarily a Brownlow medalist, he won it once. uh, And and so did Shane Wayne Woden. It's produced unusual results before. Now, Lockie Neal's not like those two players. He's now a dual Brownlow medalist. Should he be a dual Brownlow medalist? Well, he is. That's all you can say. I think the simple solution to all this, Rudy, is to call it for what it is. It's an umpire's award. Um, and if you think that that produces, um, you know, strange results or whatever, then maybe we should over-index or better-index the coaches' award, for example. They study the game all week. They know all the stats. They see how the game plays out. They know the specific instructions of players in terms of what types of role they're playing on that particular day. Maybe their best place. Maybe we celebrate... The coaches award better. But I think the Brownlow award for mine is certainly at the crossroads. The big discussion point last night, of course, was Neil's three votes. I think it was in round six. Uh, Just for some context, Charlie Cameron kicked seven goals that night. Josh Kelly had 41 touches. Cornelio Cornelio had 38 touches. And Lockie Neil got the three votes. The issue that's being discussed is the fact that under integrity measures and improved ones... The umpires now can't easily access their phones. And this is in the Herald Sunday, good article. According to Insiders, what's happening is the umpires now can't access the stats. So they're getting some uh, strange results. Jason Horn francis for example, in round 14, had three votes off the back of 13 disposals. Pretty unusual situation. Um, well done to Nick Dakos. He had the equal most three-vote games, which is amazing. I think he had 41 touches against the Giants in round nine. Didn't poll. Look, the Brownlow's always produced these... Um, strange results, Rudy, and uh, inconsistencies. I appreciate that's part of the night. It is a great night going there. It's a privilege going there, but uh, certainly debate today about uh, whether the umpire should vote on it exclusively, uh, and how it does produce these unusual situations. Often we see, more often not than not, it's a midfielder's medal now. Um, again, there's debate around that, but uh, as I said, the simple solution, it's the umpire's award. If you think the umpire's produce unusual or strange results, then let's go and pay better homage, or better uh, credibility, if you like, or give Better credibility to the uh, coaches award or some other reward. so uh, I, I, that, I, I think that sort of encapsulates the discussion, Rudy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Errol Gordon, very exciting. Twenty seven votes, twenty two in the last 10. 22 in the last ten games, reflecting his, I guess, emergence as one of the uh, one of the games, the world's <laughs> one of the game's great players. So I thought that was awesome for Errol Goulden, just in terms of the the leading vote getters, Rudy, from uh, all the clubs. It's always interesting and instructive going through that. Adelaide Crows, Jordan Dawson, twenty. The Lions, of course, Lockie Neal, 31. Carlton, Patrick Grips, 22. They shared those at Collingwood. Nick Dacos, 28. You'd think that Nick will definitely be a Brownlow medalist. At least he's got the grand final to look forward to this week, Rudy. uh, Maybe from a Collingwood perspective, might just give him a... Not that he needs any more hunger, but he might have gone home and thought, you know what, will I show them? Anyway, we'll find out on Saturday. Essendon, Zach Merritt, 17. Fremantle, Sarong, 24. The Cats, Jeremy Cameron, 13. Had a good chat to Dangerfield, Patrick Dangerfield last night, uh, just behind the scenes. The Gold Coast Suns, Noah Anderson, 22. The Giants, Toby Green, 20. A little bit lower than I would have expected Toby to be on, but to, anyway. Hawthorne, Newcomb, 18. Melbourne, Petrarca, 26. Went close. It would have been a very deserving winner, but just obviously shares votes with a few of his other players. 24 for Jack Finney as well. Yeah, I was going to say Jack Finney, 24. So there's the there's tail of the tape there. They're sharing votes and taking them away from each other. Davies, Uniac, 13 at North. Butters, 27 at Port. Taranto, 19. At the Tigers, Sinclair 21 at St Kilda, Goulden, you mentioned, Rudy 27 at Sydney, Kelly uh, at the Eagles 11, which reflects uh, the status of their season, if you like, and the Bont Bontopelli, who I hope wins a Brownlow, 29 votes. It was a good night for uh, Tom Petroro, who's a top player agent sitting just uh, on the table next to Tara and I. He manages Lockie Neal, who won, and Bont, who was on 29. Not a bad result for the TLA, that's the management agency. And, uh, and, and that camp there, uh, as far as Tom Petraro was concerned, he was absolutely delighted. But it was a good night. It always is a good night, Rudy. They did a great uh, tribute, if you like, to uh, Ron Barassi. I enjoyed that. also enjoyed listening to Darcy Moore, and in particular, Sam Doherty, a dual cancer survivor, got the Community Award. Um, he is just one of the great people you'll ever come across, and I very much enjoyed listening to Doherty last night as well, Rudy. Every Wednesday, it's Triple M Footy's Midweek Rub. It feels like I'm coming out the front. <laughs> Joey Montagna, Daisy Thomas and Damian Barrett break down anything and everything AFL. The Midweek Rub. Get it every Wednesday by following Triple M Footy on the listener app.
1: The AFL announced some assistance for North Melbourne yesterday, Tommy, and it's caused dramas. What's the latest?
0: It has caused some dramas. So North Melbourne from the commission, Rudy, uh, received three end of first round picks over the next two years. Chris Scott the Cats coach last night described it as blatant manipulation. Ross Lyon also, that's of the draft, Ross Lyon also expressed concern in regards to this. Um, it's produced all sorts of talk today, whether North deserve it, whether it rewards mediocrity, whether it sort of, you know, um, rewards North who have lost Ben Mackay again, for example. It's up to them to, I guess, retain their players. Um the concern here, of course, from a lot of clubs like Geelong was that Tasmania's coming into the competition as well. So now you've got a heavily compromised draft in terms of North Melbourne's access the next couple of years and also the fact that uh, then Tasmania's coming in. So obviously clubs are scratching their heads going, this is not good because it's shuffling us back in the order in a compromised situation over the next few years. Um, the only point I'd make in relation to this, Rudy, is that uh, it is a very equalised and compromised system that we find ourselves in. The fixture is not even. Um, Collingwood, for example, get a uh, fixture geared towards the MCG, which brings in money that's then distributed to some of the uh, less financial clubs. Geelong, Chris Scott, for example, they get, I think, nine or so home games at the Cattery, which is a small capacity stadium, a big home ground advantage and dimensions much different to a lot of other grounds. That's an advantage in itself. Um, I'm not against that. I'm just saying that's just the way it is. I'm not in any way criticising Chris Scott or Geelong. Um, You've also got, you know, the distribution uh, unequalness in the competition. I mean, clubs like St Kilda and GWS and the Suns get up to $16 million or more more every year than clubs like Richmond or uh, Collingwood or Carlton or West Coast. So, you know, it's a very compromised system we find ourselves in, but the idea, and the AFL's idea, and that's why you've got an independent commission, Rudy, is that uh, anyone can beat anyone on any given day, and that's what produces the uh, thrilling situation and closeness of the competition that drives up the, the TV revenue, creates obviously the fan excitement and engagement, And uh, it means we don't get lopsided results. North's obviously struggling, and they want uh, better access to these things. So uh, Clark has got in there and argued for that, and it's going to produce all sorts of commentary, already has. This is Tom Brown's news, bringing you the most up-to-date footy news every Monday, Thursday, and Friday, here at First on the Listener
1: App. All right, Tommy, let's uh, run through some brief stuff just before we finish up for today. Uh, Taylor Adams, he trained for the Pies. Yeah, did some run-throughs this morning and a few
0: kicks, trained for the best part of half an hour. Thursday, D-Day for Adams in terms of whether he gets selected to play on Saturday for the Magpies. And uh, there's a, a reunion on for the Hawks this weekend. Yeah, the Hawks have got their official reunion tonight. Clarkson, Alastair Clarkson's not going to that, is my understanding. Buddy might go tonight, but I think he is going to go to the unofficial players' gathering tomorrow. So no Clarkson, Buddy a chance. Also been tracking this week, Rudy, whether Buddy will be participating in the parade and then obviously in particular the farewell parade pre-grand final. Um, not getting any certainty on that. I asked Tom Harley on the red carpet about that, the CEO of the Swans last night, and he didn't know the answer. So I think it's a doub- I think it's doubtful at this stage, but,
1: uh, but still possible. All right, Tommy, we might uh, leave it at that then. You'll be back Thursday and we'll run through all the latest there and I'm sure that there'll be plenty of intrigue. Yeah, plenty of intrigue on Thursday, Rudy. We're gearing up
0: towards the grand final. Just briefly on the commission meeting yesterday, Andrew Ireland, Matt De Boer both got appointed to the commission. So I think that'll uh, sort of placate or calm some of the concern by clubs at the moment about not being sufficiently represented from a football perspective, in particular on the commission. That was interesting. Um, Essendon, from a trade perspective, certainly heating up now, now towards obviously Mackay, who's nominated the Bombers, and even Gresham. So that's, uh, that's on track. But a lot of the trade talk this week, Rudy, really sort of just calms down because everyone's out to lunch and enjoying the grand final. it will all ramp up, which is the appropriate time next week. This is all about Collingwood and Brisbane, of course, this week. It couldn't be more exciting.
1: Indeed, we'll see you on it Thursday. i have a bit more clarity on teams then, I'd think. But we'll see you then. Thanks, mate.
0: That was Tom Brown's news. Come back every Monday, Thursday and Friday for more. And subscribe to Triple M Footy on Listener to get all our podcasts throughout the season. Marine Hot Water and McDonald's, Triple M Rocks Footy.